0: all right well welcome to the monday minute of the huntback country podcast this is neither a monday nor gonna take just a few minutes but steve this is gonna be a more informal episode we just got back from a bear hunt and then we just had the memorial day holiday so we're doing a late quote unquote monday minute on this tuesday morning all right man good yeah really good nice i'm
1: itching to get back in the woods it was so nice to be out there for what were three days yeah
0: yeah. End of being three days on the mountain. Yeah. We'll get to that. I'm curious. First, we mentioned last week on the Monday minute that you were going to try some dehydrating and it was your first time. I'm just mm-hmm. curious. Like, How do you feel about not only the, you can talk about how it turned out, like the quote unquote results, but how was your impression of the process having now done it once before? Unbelievably stupid, simple. Yeah.
1: <laughs> just, I mean, <laughs> Cook spaghetti, I think the, the only thing I did differently than maybe I would normally was just make sure I and maybe this is faulty logic, but I, I thought the smaller I get everything, the easier it would be to rehydrate. So when I was, I was cooking, uh, I had some elk meat that I browned, and I really just used a metal spatula and got all the pieces nice and small. You know, my thought process, again, would dehydrate or rehydrate quicker once I was out there in the field. Same thing with the noodles. You know, I cut them into like little inch and a half chunks instead of of a big long noodle. Um, More more of that too would just be like, ah, it's just gonna be easier to eat it that way when I'm out there, you know, uh, in the back country. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I I made a giant batch of spaghetti for my family and all the leftovers I just put on and I bought a dehydrator and then bought these little Heflon sheets and then just put, uh, I weighed about, I think it was 11 and a half ounces of cooked food so i'd put it at a little scale in a tupperware bowl and then put the food in the thing and just wait it till it was 11 and a half ounces and then spread that out on a sheet i called you up i'm like hey what's this gonna dehydrate to and you weren't quite sure you were thinking maybe half it ended up being um 70 plus percent so about 11 and a half ounces turned into three and a half ounces of dried goods which made it easy when i went to rehydrate i just it's like, okay, it lost eight ounces of water. I put eight ounces of water back into it and rehydrated it. Does a, I did one as a test run and it turned out pretty good. The flavor was like so-so. I just need to work on that. I think I've heard that. Um, I don't know, specifically talking with Tyler Bashma, that he makes, his wife makes a chili. Essentially, he, um, uh, Cali makes a chili that he, they specifically make a lot spicier and more flavorful than they normally do. And that way when it rehydrates, it kind of
0: because I guess it loses a lot. I don't know. Have you experienced that? Yeah, I think so. Um, it's funny for me when you brought that concept up, because I was like, I do that, but somewhat unintentionally. And what I mean by that is mm. um, when I make food that I'm gonna dehydrate and it's just for me, I tend to prefer stuff spicier anyway, than like a meal I would have with my kids. So, like an example of that would be when I do my dehydrated spaghetti. I add more, not only more spices, but I add like, um, extra onion and green peppers and stuff to the sauce. And my kids just don't mm-hmm. like that stuff as much at home. So it's like, I kind of soup up, if you will, <laughs> my recipes, cause I know it's just me eating it, but I think that probably has had of, uh, maybe an unintended benefit of how good the dehydrated meals themselves turn out. Mm, yeah. But anyways, I mean, I
1: ended up making, I bought a 10 tray dehydrator just off Amazon and, I think it was like 220 bucks and that first batch I made 10 meals. Uh, so that's pretty freaking awesome. Frankly, yeah. that's a, that's a lot of backpacking nights. Yeah, for sure. You do that, you know, my average year, I do that three times. I'm pretty well covered, save a lot of money versus going and buying backpacking food at the store or online. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a, I will say placebo effect, but I know where the ingredients came from. I know what's in it. And there's something to be said for that. It just feels good eating like, all right, this is, you know, stuff that I put into here and it's not loaded with a bunch of crap that's not necessarily good for your body. Yeah. And and maybe that's not true. Maybe even Mountain House has all quality ingredients. I just I've been always under the assumption that's maybe not the case.
0: Yeah, it'd be cool. It's uh we've gotten so many questions on dehydrating over the years, and I've always told guys like it's just simpler than you think, but until you've done it, you don't realize quite how simple it is. So I was just curious to get your take. Yeah. Like you're even I asking, mean, like, how do I know when it's dry or done? And I'm kinda like, you'll know. Like it literally will be dry and then yeah. it's done. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was easy. I just I think at nine o'clock at night I turned it on and then got up at I'll say six thirty in the morning. And everything was dry and good. And that was it. I turned it off and let things... uh, I didn't really need to cool down because it was only 150 degrees. Pretty much cooled down instantly once taking it out of the dehydrator. But just let things kind of settle for a little bit and put them in Ziploc bags. And everything's in the freezer right now waiting for the next trip.
0: Cool. I just sent you uh, a chili mac recipe, which is one of my favorite meals, not only that my wife makes, but it's one of my favorite meals to dehydrate. And then I was telling you about it and I just sent it to you. So since I have the link handy, I'll go ahead and add the link to this show description. If guys are interested in a chili Mac recipe, it's one that my wife found, you know, on Pinterest probably years ago. Um, But it is one of my favorite meals to dehydrate. So since that's handy and I just shared it with you, I'll go ahead and share with the listeners and leave that link in the show description Um. And then, yeah, while we're talking about food, one thing, you know, we've been talking about dehydrating, we've talked about splitting meals um, in recent Monday Minute episodes, and repackaging meals to be more space efficient, and all those related topics. So, if guys have been following Monday Minutes here recently, we've talked a lot about food. Um, one thing that was new to me on this bear hunt is trying some meals from Alpine Ranch, which was a local company in Idaho that I know you had tried Steve. And I just brought that up because one, they're really good meals, but they they would be perfect for a scenario of splitting into smaller meals, which we've talked about again recently, because one of those dinners, I think the one I had on one night of the bear hunt was like 980 calories. And I was like, man, if you picked up two of those and then just split it into three meals, You'd still have a, uh, you know, 600 plus calorie meal, nice and small, and uh, they're they're delicious. So I just wanted to mention that that'd be a, a perfect example of a company that uses good ingredients, uh, but would also make perfect for splitting.
1: Yeah, definitely. There's a lot of uh, space savings and, you know, the weight savings going from the normal packaging that you'd have a, in a backpacking meal to A Ziploc bag is about three quarters of an ounce depending on the company's what bag they use but you know on a sheep hunt that adds up man that's you know you got a 10-day hunt and you do that you're going to save seven to eight ounces right off the top of just getting rid of all that bulky packaging
0: all right let's go ahead and dive into the bear hunt um we can recap and just kind of go along the way and shoot from the hip um Maybe talk about you know the hunt, some of the decisions we made, some of the gear, things like that. I think in the previous episode we mentioned some of the things we'd be trying that were newer. We can circle back to that. Um, and then there is a listener question that I want to tie into this hunt, um, which we'll do that kind of at the end. So going into the into the hunt, Steve, I flew out Monday and we essentially went straight up into the mountains. Um, it. It was the same country, uh, same general country we hunted last year, which for listeners, if you don't remember the story or didn't hear it, we essentially went into this country, you and I, and doubled up on two good boars on the first evening of the hunt. And probably, I can't remember, See, we saw probably 10-ish bears. We were in that country for, you know, essentially less than 24 hours and saw 10 bears probably. Yeah, somewhere in that
1: ballpark. It was like nine to twelve, somewhere in there. They were they were everywhere. I think I lost track.
0: Yeah. So yeah, we didn't. uh, We had a good hunt, obviously, last year, and we're excited to get back into this country. We were, I think, last year when we killed those bears, first day of the hunt, it was May tenth. Um, this year we're heading into, I think it was May twenty second, so a little bit later. That was partially based on kind of like Idaho's winter and more snow, but just based on practicality of you know, you and I juggling family schedules and trying to find the time to get out. So we knew we were a little bit later, but at, at least from my perspective, I, I was expecting pretty similar conditions to last year. Um, you were expecting snow. I think you even mentioned on one of the podcasts here recently that you grabbed the snowshoes off the shelf in case we needed them. Um, but that clearly was far from something we needed, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, we had like a two weeks of really warm weather in boise and the what that did to the snow levels up there was dramatic like they went i i think if we'd gone two weeks prior if we'd been on may 10th i think we would have been knee deep in snow the entire time and instead all the snow melted and not only did it melt but the the vegetation just like blew up i mean we went there and I've, <laughs> i know i said it multiple times like this feels like july it's just mm-hmm. green and lush everywhere. And so definitely made for much tougher bear conditions. If you're, if I'm doing a planning a spring bear hunt, the ideal time is, you know, how we hit it last year. Like all the North slopes still have some snow on them, there's no green leaf vegetation on on any of the bushes, shrubs, things like that. And then basically, all the the only food sources are going to be the south facing slopes that melted off early and just have grass growing on them. And that's how we timed it last year, where you could just see everything. This year, you know, a couple of weeks later, it was uh, you know all that north facing stuff and some of the south facing stuff with timber and and just a lot of vegetation was lush and thick and yeah, it was quite the um, surprise once we got up there that I did not expect.
0: Yes. We got up, up to that country. Um, I think kind of mid to late afternoon and then we were just basically hoping to hike in and have some time to glass that evening and, and maybe put ourselves in a position to find some bears either that evening or first light in the morning to then, you know, make a hunt plan from there. Um, so we're kind of headed up again, just same general vicinity, but headed up a ridge I had never been up before. I think you may had at least crossed, um, to get to a good glassing spot and cool country, kind of a knife Ridge. We were, you know, it was already late enough in the day as we were covering country, we were kind of trying to keep camp spots in mind. Um, and we. Past a couple beds um kind of on this knife ridge that we ultimately had to circle back to because it's the only place to pitch a tent but basically um you know spent that evening getting into the country and looking for bears and did have uh one bear we spotted that first evening and i ultimately was just like oh well you know like he was in a good spot that I don't want to say it was a slam dunk, but it was pretty close to a slam <laughs> dunk if we wanted to dunk. kill that bear. <laughs> it was a slam yeah. dunk.
1: I mean, slap, like they were that bear was at 600 yards, and I was joking with the guys in the office, like we could have done cartwheels to go from <laughs> 600 to 300 yards and shoot yeah. the bear. <laughs>
0: yeah, <so laughs> and it was,
1: you know, an hour left of light with yeah. probably
0: low chance of the bear wending us on the approach. So yeah, we essentially had like, all right, we can go kill a bear right away type thing um and it it looks like a good bear so it was you know it's not that we passed it just because it was a bear we weren't interested in but it was like man it's so early we saw so many bears last time and um most likely this bear is going to be here in the morning if we decide we want to pursue it but we just got in here we saw so many bears last year let's uh, you know you and i had talked like we want to enjoy this and not just be done in a couple hours Mm -hmm. um so yeah we ultimately passed that bear and then uh, as I said, we kind of ended up circling back to pitch the tents that night. Um, That's pretty much it. Also, I'm kind of missing anything there from first evening.
1: Yeah, I think all like, so we knew basically being, being in the country a couple times in the past, I knew that I wanted to camp on this little, this little central ridge that basically in glass 270 degrees off of, Yeah, and we hiked in there. I think we left the truck at five and it's like perfect i think if we haul ass we could be up that ridge by you know get there about 7 30 mm-hmm. and that was pretty much right on where it was getting dark at nine o'clock a little after nine and it gave us a couple hours to glass and then same thing i had on google earth kind of like tore apart that ridge because i had never been up and down it i had crossed it once in the past uh, but i tore apart like okay I think that you could camp here you can camp here you can camp here and then I was hoping we could camp up really high and that's like, we ended up like Google Earth just did a total like flattened yeah. the country because we, we were like you know uh, talking about being mindful you know on the way up I'm like knew we were camping on this ridge so I just started making mental notes of all right there's there's a place where you get two tents here because it's a it's a knife ridge I mean it's Two to three feet across at the top, and very steep on that uh, west-facing slope. And then the south-facing or the east was steep, but not incredibly steep. And so, you know, I knew camping spots were going to be limited. Made mental notes, and then when we climbed on this one spot on Google Earth, like, oh, it's going to be great up there. And we even got there looking up, like, yeah, it'll be awesome, and we can climb up. <laughs> you know, it's a little two hundred foot climb as the, as the night fridge just kind of bumped up, but we got up there and it like off the backside was like, uh, yeah, nope, we're not sleeping up here. Uh, yeah. So we backtracked down and then, yeah, just glass that whole evening and not a man. Other than the, the one bear, you know, that we just, you just talked about passing up, but we were just both kind of dumbfounded. Like, where are the bears? Saw some elk, saw some deer, just no bears and didn't make any sense. So then my, my brain started going, Okay, like where do the bears move to? Like, if mm-hmm. there's no way versus a year ago that they're, you know, all the bears got killed in here. Um, it's pretty remote country and just out of the way. Not many people are going to be up in this place. That, um, my mind started racing on, you know, I'm sure there were some bears we didn't see because of the cover, but I still they're going to come out and feed in the open slopes, you know, late, late in the evening, early in the morning. So I immediately put, switch to like okay how, like this isn't obvious how do we change our tactics uh, mm-hmm. what do we look for differently
0: yeah that kind of similar mindset you know as i went to bed that night just thinking okay if, if we haven't seen but just the one bear um if we get up in glass in the morning like i still had hope we could you know locate bears in the morning from where we're at but it's like if we don't then what yeah. was definitely thinking through through those scenarios and um yeah it was a good night camped on that little knife ridge um got up in the the morning yeah slept with the ticks (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it was pretty mild weather i mean i remember that night was i kept my door open on my tent i just had the mesh closed uh because ticks but (laughs) door open for ventilation it was a gorgeous night um yeah, got up kind of in glassed in the morning and, and really wanted to look over, as you said, a bunch of country from different directions. You could kind of see a 270. And I was like, and like I didn't want to go chase last night's bear or try and lo- relocate that bear right away. But that was definitely like a kind of a ticking clock in my head of, okay, I want to get up and cover a bunch of country. But if I'm not seeing much, we're not locating things then before kind of the morning is over if we need to can we relocate last night's bear um for lack, lack of better terms we'll just keep calling the bear blackie because we did then <laughs> can we relocate <laughs> blackie from last night um yeah and that was kind of how it progressed i don't remember steve like we glassed for a while in the morning and then at one point i think i had i had packed up camp right away And then you kind of got up and were just glassing, but hadn't packed up camp. And we both glassed for a while. And then at one point, we knew we were going to move. And you were packing up camp. And I was like, oh, I'm going to go, you know, see if I can get up the ridge and relocate Placky." I think it's kind of how that morning went. But I don't remember how long we glassed before we kind of made that decision.
1: Mm,
0: I'd say close to an hour. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, definitely
1: woke up and sun was kind of already up and like you, you'd gotten up you know, right at. Uh, sunrise I was kind of lagging behind a little bit and then yeah say good hour and then you were you were, you were moving to go relocate him and then I uh started packing up camp real quick and met
0: you yeah. see I just went further up that knife Ridge um and was you know just kind of moving in glass and glassing, moving in glass and glassing. I didn't have necessarily a point in mind it was just more mobile of Get some different vantage points, be able to look at different angles, and try and relocate um, Blackie. Essentially, um, looking towards the west at this point, and didn't get too far, have to glass too much, and and relocated the bear. And it was, you know, the Blackie was kind of like in the bottom and moving up the hillsideed an angle, and was not, you know, it wasn't like. Cruising or appeared to be spooked or anything like that, but was definitely moving like on a direction kind of with a reason, like it wasn't just milling about feeding. Um, and then was able to watch it for a bit and it's moving away and went up and over kind of this finger that was, you know, is now on this back side that we couldn't see. And I think you had just kind of got here about this point. Um, and then both you and I were glassing, of okay, if it was moving that direction, it's gonna it's gonna disappear for a while, kind of into this cut in the hill, um, but then it's gonna reappear. And so you and I spent a fair amount of time kind of glassing and seeing. Hopefully, we could pick it up and see where it's going, and ultimately just never never relocated. It did it did a Houdini on us.
1: Yeah, yeah, we. Certainly, uh, we were both keeping, like, trying to find the bear, and then also just looking around, you know, at all the other country, and again, you could just see everything, and that was the only bear we saw, so it certainly, as the morning drug on, it's like, okay, that, that's the only bear we're seeing, we could see a lot of country, and it's not, you know, there's a, enough openings that I felt fairly confident, like, there's the, just bears aren't in here, and I don't know what, you know, what's changed from a year ago, but they're just not here. Uh, and the you know densities that they were in the past and this is the only one we've got it is a nice bear uh, from what we could tell and yeah it's just certainly switched to by like 10 a.m like okay this is the bear we're gonna go kill and about then is when he like you said he just he was standing on this log in between two trees and it looked like it was like thick-ish but certainly like there's no way he moved to where we couldn't find him anymore you know like he yeah. should have popped back out but we sat there till what two o'clock in the afternoon.
0: Yeah, one o'clock, like that. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty late, and then, man, it was just. Then I think you and I both were like, man, uh, you know, with the bear moving the way it was moving, like, could it have spooked? But it was, you know, six hundred plus yards away on an opening face, and there's kind of a creek between us where you know any scent that theoretically could go that far kind of should have been carried um, in a different direction between us. And I just didn't, I didn't think it was possible still at this time. I don't necessarily think that that's what's happened, but we were at least considering like, you know, did we do something? Did we bump that thing? Mm -hmm. Um, and I just, yeah, I'm not sure. I, again, I still don't think that's the case, but we were definitely having those thoughts. Um, and then, yeah, it's kind of getting to mid afternoon. And I think you and I both were had good hopes that in the evening we could relocate that bear if it was, if it was on that face, if it was on that hillside, but it's also, it's like, oh, we got a bunch of time to kill before, you know, it would be out feeding this evening. Um, it's probably going to be kind of in the timber for the day and it's pretty warm. So it's going to be, you know, just kind of chilling and in, in somewhere cooler. So um, yeah, we just kind of went for, went for a roundabout, went to co- cover some country and see some places we hadn't been before and kind of put us in a position to, to glass some stuff that we couldn't see from the current glassing point.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was said it was one o'clock in the afternoon. I was like, we don't need to be back here till seven. So here's, we got, you know, six hours to go explore and we had never been North of where basically we were currently sitting. Uh, so we dropped back down into the canyon, had to lose it. You know, it wasn't much, 1,200 feet elevation or something. And then just headed up and started exploring. Um, thankfully, you brought Crocs because I had a couple heel blisters. I was trying some <laughs> new shoes, boots out, and <laughs> I borrowed your Crocs. Um, then we went and hiked. I don't know. We covered quite a bit of, I think, like seven miles. It's like three and a half miles up the canyon. And then, you know, just hiking and glassing, hiking and glassing, and, just, and then, you got up there laid down took a little siesta 30 minutes and then kind of like okay well we'll we'll hike back there wasn't anything you just never know what the country's gonna look like it it looked good but not as good as what we left basically it was just kind of right. getting more and more timber and just like less advantageous to spot and stock bear hunting and and the views weren't You know, you just couldn't, you glass a little pocket here, a little patch, of open patch here, but it wasn't like, oh man, if we sit here for five hours, something's going to pop out. Nothing looked that good to me to be, um, for us to stay there. So it's like, okay, we're both fairly confident that bear just went and laid in a brush pile on that hillside and the way he was acting the night before, you know, he should be out feeding by seven, something we'd have, we'll have a good,
0: you know, hour and a half to get him killed. And that, that was the plan. Yeah, talk about, so when we came back, we're essentially going up to a rid we'd been on, right? We'd camped on it, we'd glassed from it, et cetera, But we also approached it a bit differently, um, you know, kind of in the way we attacked it. And we're strategic with thinking through not only our approach, but just different glassing angles and things like that. So maybe talk a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, I mean, we were definitely... Uh, hiking out back down the ridge and then just kind of replaying in my mind of like, where's the best, basically we're just going to go set up a sniper perch and, and just get you set up and and wait for that bear to come out. And we knew where he, where we last saw him. So I was like, okay, let's, let's get somewhere where we've got a good view of the Canyon. And also, you know, we're set up really well to be, um, if he is, if he is right where we left him, he pops out, we shoot him. And, uh, so I think we got you. It was like 300 yards, we, we kind of went up the up the canyon or up the knife ridge, but then side-hilled um, into it to get mm-hmm. kind of... There's some trees uh, up or high up on the ridge where we were sleeping, but once you drop down a couple hundred feet, it really opened up yeah. and we just kind of side-hilled till we found there was a, a big you know tree growing out of the side of the hill and at the base of it was kind of flat behind it. And it was just a great place to like, yep, this is the spot we can get you set up and and then we just, uh, I think we kind of cruised back and we got there probably at like six. And so like, all right, we got a good yeah, was you a know, few hours. three hours of just sitting and waiting. But it felt like, A, this is the only barrier we had seen. B, I think we were both fairly confident that it was still on that hill. And um, yeah, I just felt like the right move to sit there and, and wait and be patient. That's not easy to do sometimes, you know, because <laughs> um, I was, I felt confident that he'd still be there but i wasn't like positive you know like, we both talked about like oh, maybe he did wind us i mean that we were camped up above him and it was only 600 yards and i it's unlikely but it's possible
0: yeah uh, that's what happened <laughs> well he never popped up right yeah uh, i mean as we were as we were talking about that and making that plan like there was zero doubt in my head that that was the smartest move was to get to that spot or a spot and then just sit for the evening Um, and if we can get to a good spot for the evening that gives us good visibility to locate the bear but then also has good um, opportunity for shot opportunities like 100% what I wanted to do but going back to your point even when you have like this 100% this is the smartest plan when you do that, and then you sit there for a little bit, it's really easy to go, eh, I don't know. like, you know, you just start playing like the mind game. And so, you just always have to yeah. come back to like, you can get impatient or what have you, but no, like this is the best plan. This is what we need to do. And so, just kind of for me, tending prefer- to prefer to move and hike and, you know, think through things, it was not a massive struggle, but definitely took some intention to forced myself to sit there for those several hours and and just waited out even when nothing was happening and ultimately nothing did happen but I still feel like it was the smart play and as you said there was if that bear was going to be on the hillside we were in a great spot to locate it and then just had great great shooting opportunities from really probably the closest would have been probably about 300 and then there was some you know stuff that if I wanted to shoot up to six um, kind of all through that range and you know during that time we had nothing but time I had even set up the rifle on the tripod and was ranging stuff and doing scenarios and just kind of getting comfortable and looking at different shot opportunities and definitely had nothing but confidence about any shot opportunity really that could have came about but ultimately nothing did yeah
1: what I didn't like about that situation was getting into shooting position means we were down off the ridge and we were basically just entirely focused on where that bear was. There wasn't, you know, and we were both, we had glassed this small Canyon that, you know, the evening and that morning. So it felt like, okay, there's no other bear. Like bear would have to move into here. We would have seen it by now. It's small enough. So it was really just fully committing to that single bear um, for that whole evening, which, you know it was, it was the right decision but it's still like that's what made it it was a full commitment because it was we were yeah. you know down off the ridge not glassing the rest of the country if if something else did pop out somewhere else
0: yeah and you you did go up kind of before dark right um yeah. to be able to see more country um and use this last bit of light so i stayed and was like all right in case this bear comes out in the last i can't remember hour, if we had an hour 45 minutes of daylight like I'll be ready, but then you went up to kind of the top of the ridge to get a much better vantage point to locate any yeah. other potential.
1: Yeah, I, I wanted to be with you if, if, when the bear popped out and get the you know video it through the spine scope. But I said once we, it's like, hey, it's getting late now. If he hasn't popped out yet, I climbed up to the top of the ridge and started glassing, basically where we killed our two bears last year, thinking ah, there's something should pop out there. Um, nothing did. You came up, met me, um, the manners. So yeah, sucked in some elk piss. <laughs> that was stinky, man. And uh they, like just didn't go away. Like uh, the more it rained, the worse it got. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I get to the top and Steve has, you know, two different there was two elk beds up there, and you kind of further kicked them out and flattened them out. And I get up there kind of right close to dark, and you're like, Oh, just whatever whichever one you want. And one definitely reeked of elk piss quite a bit. But I was like, Yeah, I'll take that one. <laughs> like, I'm not gonna come <laughs> up here and take the nice one from you. <laughs>
1: um so yeah i did kick out some beds you know it took like 20 30 minutes for us to get the tent set up because again it's pretty knife ridge and uh and then it started kind of raining right as we went to bed which was cool and then about like 1 a.m like all right rain stop like, keep enough. waking me up yeah it's enough i've had enough um but uh i tested out the that outdoor vitals 40th tent mm-hmm. um because i'd used it a couple times in the past, but more like we just pitched it on the side of the road where it was when Cody was out last year all cunning and um, the first time using backpack and I was really, really pleased with it. There's, I think there's a little bit of a, um, a, lot, a with a lot of trekking pole tents, there's a little bit of understanding how to pitch it. I think last year when I did it, I did it wrong a little bit, um, but got it pitched right. Both nights were in there and uh, I was very impressed. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's pretty, pretty similar design to the Gossamer gear, um, the one tent, which I've run a ton and had on this trip. Um, yeah, both really solid options. As you said, you just want to be, you do have to, you know, especially in situations like that, where you're, you're setting it up with like weird angles and all that they're, they're accommodating to it, but you just definitely have to, um, hopefully have a little bit of experience with it, but not bad to set up at all. Um, yeah, as you said, it kind of rained right as we went to bed. I, I slept pretty solid that night, so I definitely wasn't aware of how much it had rained overnight. I just knew that when I was conscious, it tended to hear it. Um, so it rained quite a bit that evening, um, and it was really still... I, actually, when I first got up that morning, it wasn't raining. Uh, I didn't break down camp immediately, but kind of like got out to glass, uh, right at daylight and literally just kind of like pulled my jet boil to a glassing spot and my sitting pad and was like getting all set up and perfect to be able to glass and drink coffee and eat and was all excited I was like this is great and then right about the time as I got set up and fully comfortable and ready to go it started pouring rain quite a bit <laughs> figures um but yeah you and I essentially Stayed and in, in glassed as we could from there, but definitely, you know, clouds and waves of fog and all kinds of stuff was kind of rolling through as the rain was rolling through. So just definitely kind of a wet, but honestly, real enjoyable morning that morning.
1: Yeah, no, it was, it was, uh, sometimes it's nice to be forced to just sit there and enjoy it. And that was certainly the case here where it's like, all right, it's raining. It's foggy or, you know, you can kind of see across the canyon and all for 30 minutes. You can't see anything. And so we just sat there and drank. I think I had three cups of coffee. (laughs) Just chilled. It was was quite pleasant, man. We had a big tree that we were able to kind of sit under and block, you know, 80% of the wind and rain. Uh, It was, yeah, cool morning. I always love, I love being in the mountains when there's weather. You know, it's a pain in the ass when you're backpacking and you're dealing with getting wet and whatnot, but
0: it's also... Uh, I don't know something about it it's cool to be out there it? yeah I agree it was really enjoyable and just yeah it is good at times to force yourself to yeah as you said just deal with what is and it's outside of your control um and then just even the little stuff that you know gear management when stuff's wet raining and just kind of going through that is you know it's good it just kind of continues to build the experience a little bit um for a while there, Steve, it kind of felt like we weren't sure. We, I think at that point, we were still having trouble getting a, a weather update from InReach, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just wasn't working that morning. Yeah. And earlier, I think the forecast was that rain was coming later in the day, I think from like 10 to 2 or something like that. So now here we are, and it's much earlier than that, and raining already, and we're like, hmm, is this the same like pocket or window of rain, but earlier or is it just gonna rain a lot more today? Um but yeah, I think ultimately, you know, you and I, the at that point really had only seen the one bear, um, had located them, lost them, had not seen nearly anything else. Like <laughs> just just that one bear. And then we we had, you know, saw him the first evening the next morning but then later that evening he was gone this morning as far as we can glass when we could glass he's gone so it's kind of like uh is there any hope for him we haven't seen anything else i just bring all that up to say i think it's like at this point in the hunt kind of the conditions and scenario where some guys are just like man this isn't going to work like let's just let's just hunt our way out of here you know um, we could work down this ridge. We're not going to give up. Maybe we'll glass on the way out. What have you? But there was definitely that, like there was that option, is kind of called the easy option. But basically, you and I both talking. It was like, man, if that bear did anything, he went up and over, and he's in the next canyon, which means we would have to drop off this super steep west face, lose a bunch of elevation, go through a nasty bottom, and kind of do a big climb to get up to the other side. Um, which is what we did, you know, and if nothing else for me, it was like, it made the most sense from that's probably what that bear did, but it was also just like, Oh, I've never seen over that Ridge before. Let's go look at a new Canyon. Like maybe we'll locate the bear, but if not, like I get to see a new Canyon.
1: Yeah. I think for me, uh, like I was, it was just, you know, it was so easy. We'd seen one bear and here we are on, you know, day three, I got to be. I had to be back the next day as my daughter's kindergarten kind of graduation class party. And so it's like, all right, we've got, you know, the rest of this morning, and this evening to get it done. And it would have been very easy to say, well, let's just except pack up, head down the ridge. It'd be basically all downhill back to the truck, easy walking. We hadn't seen anything. There's probably not a bear in here. Um, we'll just, we'll just take our time on the way out and see what, see if we can turn up something. But like you said, it was like, clearly if that, like you said, if that bear went anywhere, it's up and over that Ridge and you're just looking at it like, Oh, that's going to suck. But <laughs> you just, uh, I think they, you know, 15 years ago, I would have taken the the easy route out and through experience, it's like, you always regret that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah, we just, we did it. And it wasn't, you know, like a three-hour deal or something by the time we dropped down and climbed up the other side. And one of those, you're looking at it like, oh man. And then you actually just do it. And it's like, ah, that wasn't near as bad as I thought it was going to be.
0: Yeah, agreed. It wasn't, it was a little bit daunting, you know, just like it's an investment and in effort and time. And, you know, as you said, we have this, this is the last day. So it's like, well, do, do we have time? Like, you know, we have time to make the climb, but then do we have time to hunt? And if we were successful, do we have time to get out? And Usually just, if you just put your head down and go, you, you know, you've overestimated how much of an effort and a time commitment that was because we did that and still had plenty of day left for sure. Like plenty of day left. So yeah, made, did a big drop, which was, um, you know, kind of loose and skiing down a little bit, which is always fun. And then because of the moisture, um, You know, what's really a lot of times super loose and dry and powdery climbing in Idaho, the moisture um, definitely had helped firm that up a little bit. So as we pulled up the other side and made the climb, it was honestly a bit easier than I anticipated. Um, And I think partially just because of those conditions. So that was in our favor and got up to this next ridge, which was... Every bit as much or probably a bit, probably a bit more of a knife ridge than the one we had been on prior. Like there were some definitely, there were some spots on, on this ridge as we got up there and started traversing it a bit that, you know, wasn't fully technical, but we definitely had to pick some lines and like consider like, oh, do we do this or that? Because it was, it was, you know, a little bit sketchy in place and loose and um, yeah, it was just that country is always kind of fun to me to get into for yeah. sure. That's such a beautiful country in there. Yeah, so we well, we saw a cub when we were up there. We kind of got to the top of the ridge and we started moving a little bit, and we saw what must have been a maybe two-year-old cub, like a quote unquote kicked out cub, um ended up being all on its own, but a small bear. And he was kind of near the top where it was like, What are you doing up here? Like there it was super rocky and no feed and just a weird spot. But we watched him for a bit, um, kind of kept cruising down This ridge, and then ended up getting quite a bit more rain that rolled in, and so again, we just kind of put ourselves in the best position to get a little bit of of cover under a tree, um, but then also put ourselves in a position where we could kind of glass and and search this canyon. So that's what we did. I I don't know what time it was, you know, kind of mid morning, mid to late morning by the time that happened, and then. Yeah, I'm terrible at losing track of time. But we sat there for a fair amount, Steve, and kind of had a snack mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And, you know, you sit there and it's wet and it's chilly and it's foggy. And we had kind of given it some time to to locate some stuff and didn't locate anything. And you kind of mentioned like, ah, let's get up and get moving. Like, it's, you know, it's getting kind of chilly. Let's go get a different vantage point. And so uh, I was like, yeah, man, I'm on board. So we we start kind of gathering our stuff and and loading our packs And uh, the next thing I know, you kind of had some binos up to your eye.
1: Yeah, I just stood up and, you know, the hillside we've been looking at for three hours. All of a sudden, there's a black dot. I'm like, I didn't see that stump before. You know, (laughs) the way it was facing, it was, it didn't look like a bear, but it was just a a black spot that just caught my eye and put the binos up. And uh, I just stared, you know, it just wasn't moving, stared at it for, you know, what felt like two minutes. And finally, I just saw like the head just kind of move to the right. Oh, bear, we're yeah. on, you know? <laughs> and, yeah. Um, We had just bumped, you know, that, that cub was up on top and we bumped it and uh, it was black as well. And um, I'm just like, ah, I mean, it went in a logical direction for that cub to run. But um, looking at it, looking at it, like, no, that's not the cub. And then had you pull out the spotter. And sure enough, it was, you know, the bear we had seen the first night. And it was a, it was a tricky bear because at first through the binos, the my impression was it was a medium sized bear, and then we put the spotter on it and you start breaking apart the body like no it's it's kind of the belly's dragging it's waddling there's a little bit of crease in the head the ears are kind of set out to the side and I'm like no this is a this is a nice bear, um, and yeah immediately... What I love about the range finding binos is I just click a button and go 630 yards, you know. And um, this is a side note, but it's like, you and I are, you know, very obsessed with like, I'm very obsessed, but, you know, enjoying ballistics and developing, you know, guns and things like that. And and, uh, you could have easily made the shot right there, Um, but easily made meaning Joey just came where's in.
0: That, where's my dinosaur Lego?
1: Where's your dinosaur Lego? Uh, I I put it back in the box, and it's in the toy room.
0: But where in the toy room.
1: Should be on the shelf. Everything's in the in the box. But where? But but where is the box? On the white shelves. But where is on the white shelves? I, they're pretty small shelves. I think you could find it. What shelves? The ones I against see. the wall. Oh, the ones. At, at, uh, the one, um um the ones at um the where box your blocks where are the, Which locks your cardboard box oh yeah yeah yep okay Thanks, you're welcome buddy shut the door
0: pretty sure that missed it <laughs> 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 um <laughs> yes yeah, so you were saying easily you were saying easily made, just to clarify, I don't think you were saying this, and I'm not saying this, like, meaning, oh, Mark could have easily meant that shot, but we could have easily chosen to, as much as we've, as you said, enjoyed shooting at ballistics and have practiced in the field and i have shot well beyond that, um, we could have said, like, oh, this is a great spot, like, yeah, if we want to poke, like, we can make it happen from here or try, right?
1: Yeah, it was well within your, not well within, I mean, 600 yards, uh, you were saying, it's kind of your max, like, I don't want to shoot any further than that, but the conditions were there was very great. little wind. It was kind of downhill, um, you know, kind of cross canyon. But I mean, the bear was just barely up the other side. You mm-hmm. could have, you could have made the decision to just sit there and shoot. But it was also like there's a very clear path to cut the distance down dramatically. And mm-hmm. whether that got to 400 yards or 200 yards, we didn't know because it was you couldn't quite see. But certainly, you just immediately defaulted to no. I'm not going to shoot from here. I, I can get closer. Let's get closer.
0: Yeah, it was a no-brainer to me. Um, yeah, I mean, it would, it, more in retrospect, like if I wanted to shoot something at six, where we were, it would have been great. I could have got prone. Um, we were already yeah, there. We were a, like, we were in a great spot to set up for that shot. Yeah, 100%.
1: Um, but you, you know, and I didn't fight you for a second. Like, yeah, we can get closer. Let's get closer. And we uh, packed up and it probably took, I don't know, 30 minutes to get over there.
0: Yeah, we kind of went on the back side. Yeah, yeah, I we'll would say we went on the back side of the ridge and kind of hooked around and came over. And then once we did, kind of pop up and over, it was definitely we were trying to get on this finger, but then it's one of those things you come from a different perspective, and it was like, is that the finger? Is this the finger? Are We on the right thing? And then the more we started dropping from the ridge top almost the steeper it got and then it was really loose and for a, for a moment there i was like man i think it would have maybe been easier to shoot up from there at 6 compared to what i may have to get on right now just cuz it was really steep and loose but um yeah you kind of found the right finger and we cruised down and got to a spot where it was just kind of natural and we, d- we still hadn't ranged it yet, but it was kind of like, all right, let's set up here, you know, fairly quick and, and see what this is at, relocate the bear and see what kind of yardage this puts us in. And then, um, of course I was just thinking of, you know, see what kind of position I can get in from a shooting perspective. And, um, yeah, it kind of worked out. I kind of sat in front of you and we had pulled quick sticks out. So I was kind of getting set up on those as you were kind of you know we had spotted the bear but then as you were looking closer again and i was more concerned with getting set up for the shot you're kind of keeping tabs on the bear and looking at things and um yeah it was it it was a pretty good spot i think you you know one point um and this leads to a listener question we can elaborate on if we have time but um you were using your el range tas your range finding binos I was running standard non-ranging ELs. And then on this trip, I was using a handheld uh, rangefinder from Revic. And so as we were getting set up and I you know, thought, man, this is probably going to be the shot opportunity. I just went ahead and handed the rangefinder to you. Um, and then I was getting kind of all steady um, and set up. And you were, I had, didn't know at the time, but you were setting up a camera between your knees and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, as you were getting you were getting your gun got kind of out and ready. And then I was like running in like a 20 yard circle, trying to find a good shooting spot for you. And it's like, all right, Mark, here's the best one. You know? Um, Cause I remember running up to the, you know, it was, like 10 yards down from the top of this little Ridge, seeing if he could get up there, but off the backside of it was like cliff and rock and um, like, Nope, and here it is. And kicked a little flat spot. And then you were able to get in there and get in position. And me, the rangefinder. Um, What was that? Two, it to it is 2.4 MOA. I told you to dial two and a half. Yeah. It was only 290 yards, I believe. Yeah. Um, something like that. And then, then, yeah, I just grabbed out, grabbed my camera and just like was holding it between my knees and pointed at you just for fun. And mm-hmm. then, uh, uh and then I just had my eyes on the binos, you know, just watching the bear. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It was I first kind of was getting stable with the quick sticks it was real steep like you said you kind of kicked out a spot so i had my butt kind of in this flat kicked out spot but everything was falling away and then the quick sticks were out in front and it was real loose and steep so i to, it took a while to get them in a spot where they weren't wanting to move downhill and then it was comfortable um kind of got the bear in the scope and i had like just the slightest bit of um like fog in the scope Again, it had been rainy and foggy all morning. I had scope caps on, but I just had like this slight haze. And at one point I was um, pretty comfortable with the shot. I had waited for the bear to kind of turn and give me a more broadside look. And then I was pretty comfortable with the shot, but it was a little bit hazy. And I was like debating like, man, do I do I take the time to just kind of rub the the scope a little bit and see if that clears it up? And it's funny. We had checked my zero. Before packing in for this hunt, and before packing in when we were checking my zero, the place that I, like we were set up in a good open spot and I was shooting prone, just checking zero on a dot. But it was in a really weird spot where I had this glare and kind of like not a great picture through the scope as I was zeroing. And I was hitting a little low, and I think a little right if I remember right, Steve, um. Mm-hmm consistently i was like man i doubt that my zero's off like i had just shot and i just i trust my setup and the way that i had traveled with it and the only thing i could think of was like maybe this glare and this weird you know uh, this weird perspective i'm getting is affecting that so i just shifted over when i was zeroing my rifle to a spot that gave me a, a better clear look at the target with less glare and like first shot i was like on the dot and so, that was kind of in my head on this on this bear shot when it's kind of like, man, just that little bit of obscured look through this scope. Like, I don't want that to affect anything. Um, so, it's kind of set up and then I just kind of went ahead and rubbed the eyepiece glass um, and cleared everything up. And then I was like, all right, good to go. Steep downhill shot, um, black bear, you know, and at that distance it is sometimes tough to quote unquote truly pick a spot right on this all black bear but again just didn't rush it and was it was patient the bear was feeding um had a just a good look and it, until i was like fully fully confident i'm not putting pressure on the trigger um but kind of had that moment where i was like boom that's the spot that's the look i want i feel better nice and stable um pressure pressure squeeze and boom and then you know on the on the recoil shooting off the quick sticks i came up i lost the bear for a second but right as i was coming down on a recoil and relocated the bear i just heard you go dead bear yeah. <laughs> it was pretty quick
1: yeah yeah did uh what you said 175 LDX. so were you yeah yep. yeah that uh it worked <laughs> i mean i you know it's pretty steep downhill to the bear and then it you shot I knew it was a good hit. I could just see the impact and then it jumped up into the left. And as I did that, I just saw a blood splatter, like hitting the rocks behind it. Just. Poosh. And I was like, yep, that, that bear's dead. And it went five yards and piled up in the bush. Um, yeah. It was just awesome. It's great when everything just comes together like that. Yeah,
0: for sure. Yeah. So it was, I think you and I both up until spotting the bear based on what we had seen and encountered and knowing what time left, like you and I are both probably like, yeah, it's probably not likely that we're going to kill a bear today, but it just takes that one thing, like spotting that one bear and then making some hopefully good decisions on the approach and getting some stuff to go your way. And I kind of went from, you know, again, like I hadn't given up hope or wasn't super low, but it went from this probably isn't happening to like, oh dang, we just killed the bear. Sweet. (laughs) And it happened pretty quick.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, as we, you know i said so we packed up camp that morning and uh started hiking up that ridge or down and then up uh, i was i felt very low probability right of like we're going to be able to get this done today i was i was already planning like okay i got to be back for the graduation on thursday thursday evening we could head out and do a, a thursday evening friday morning so i'm already thinking about where we're going next mm-hmm. um which is you know, it's good to f- be forward thinking but it was also probably should have been more present in the moment hunting uh so we got up there and then uh you know it's well, you know he said once you killed the bear you look back and like man how many decisions like a lot of little decisions always add up to being successful and if we had just decided to get up you know because for the last hour sitting there underneath that tree in the rain before we before we spotted the bear I was kind of like okay i could get ready to go i'm like i'm kind of cold i need to move you know i didn't have a ton of warm layers with me and uh um you know it just kind of it's like a combination of luck and smart decisions and hard work always
0: kind of find you know find each other and end up being successful yeah and it went from (laughs) right before we spotted the bears you said we're like kind of sitting there cold and wet to all right now we found this bear Relocated this bear, shot the bear, get down to it, and then all of a sudden it was like sunny and it felt like ninety five degrees. <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, the sun came out and it was absolutely beautiful day to the point where like it's gonna be hot packing out. Yeah, um, thankfully I packed Crocs,
0: which was awesome. Oh, so. you did? You packed Crocs? Yeah. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> oh, cool.
1: <laughs> uh, that was awesome. So we <laughs> it got was to so do, funny. Uh, no, so
0: like just skip that head. We're, we packed out the creek bottom. We'll come back to it. But at one point, Steve, like you're hiking along and going through the creek and you're like, man, there's just like, if you're going to any hunt, like, and there's any chance of like c- creek crossings in this, like you should just always pack Crocs. And I was like, yeah, or have your friend carry them for you.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so
1: yeah, lot, like I basically was
0: planning to do the
1: hunt in some tennis shoes that I want to test out for the death hike. And I'd also just threw in a pair a new pair of boots i had ordered to i had done like two training hikes in boise with them but i was i threw them in just in case we got up there and there was a bunch of snow i was like okay um and then we got there and i just kind of hemmed and hawed like you know what i'm just gonna try these boots out i want to give them a shot and they were you know by oh three miles into the hike on the way in my heels started rubbing i had to stop and tape them up and then like any, you know, it was fine on flat and downhill, but anything slight climb or climbing, um, you know, I blisters on the back of my heels and it was just painful and uncomfortable. That was another reason why that last day, it's like, oh, it's going to suck climbing up that hill. Like these blisters are going to, you know, yeah. just going to suck. Um, but oh well. Uh, so I, yeah, because originally I was going to wear the tennis shoes and then they're not, they're just a breathable shoe. There's no Gore Tex or anything. So I was like, well, I'll just pull off, pull off my socks, take out the, liners and then when we got across the creek i'll just you know just do it and then put on put in the insoles and dry socks and we good to go uh, mm-hmm. so i didn't pack crocs you did um and yeah i think i owe you oh yeah you a beer or two for having it because it was uh it was awesome it was fun because uh, you know you killed the bear and we were up um quite a few miles up this steep little canyon but at the bottom of it was all kind of flooded out washed out from just kind of i think rapid snow melt and stuff like that and uh it was, it was so similar to packing out tyler's sheep in alaska just creek tight little creek and you're just constantly waiting and crossing it and that's where you, know, you got to see firsthand like croc life i just literally you know we tyler and i joke we call them all terrains because you're just like yeah, it doesn't water dry whatever you just walk and uh, i ended up packing the whole whole way out in the crocs and it was fantastic meanwhile you're you know like just zigzagging left and right looking for boulders and you had to jump across the creek a hundred times you know like it was just yeah. nonstop. stop
0: um, or just so much easier when you just got the crocs so thank you oh no nah, i mean you know yeah. we went bear hunting you worked hard and helped me get a bear so no thanks needed yeah. i'll give you the crocs anytime <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so it was good. We uh, yeah got to the bear recovery. Again, I know we skipped ahead, but recovery was easy because it was dead right there. Got to it. Uh, got a couple pictures. Got the hide taken care of. Got some meat packed up and we just essentially uh, split the pack out. So we both had some good packs between the hide and head and meat. And as you said, just went out kind of the creek bottom um, for quite a while to get back to the trail that ultimately let us out. But yeah, it was uh I don't know, anything nothing notable from the pack out necessarily other than what you mentioned about the creek. And then to me it was just cool to uh like I love seeing new places, but it's also special to like continue to make memories in a certain spot. So just that whole mm-hmm. kind of like pack out, it was like, oh man, we just did this last year and now here we are again you know, once we hit the trail, like on the same trail, another successful bear hunt, like it's cool to have that uh, history, if you will, or to make that history and have those memories. So it was fun. Yeah.
1: My, you and know, I've been in there twice. I've been in there once prior and every trip in we've killed in, uh, four bears in three trips. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. But a great spot. Yeah. So you checked in, uh, you know, the bear was deceiving and you checked into fishing game. What'd you
0: find out? Yeah. So um went to fishing game and then uh w- they went to pull the molar that they normally pull out of the bear and it was gone just gone gone and then we're looking close and they just started looking at teeth and really it's like when they f- you know and I glanced at it but I'm far from the bear expert and I hate to jump to conclusions when I don't know so um I was just curious to see what they had to say so they went to pull the molar they sample for aging, it was gone. And then they started looking around and really looking at the fronts and the canines and everything else. And they were just like, man, this is an old, old bear. And uh, I was just soaking it in as they were looking at it and kind of talking and thinking out loud. There was two guys from Fish and Game and they were just pointing different stuff out. And I just love like observing and learning. And uh, they ultimately obviously don't, can't say for sure until they actually age based off the tooth sample, which takes like a year. But the one guy who works at the station and checks in pretty much all the bears there. He's like, yeah, this is like a, this is easy, a 15 year old bear. Um, so yeah. And then he just, it it was just fun. Like him pointing out stuff and how it was worn down. And then not only how it was just worn down, but how much wear there was. Um, and he was just talking about how, when like that bear got older, its teeth got worn down but then it was like less effective at feeding so then as it was feeding it was getting in like more gravel and stuff like that and it created a lot of irregular wear and like tooth damage and things um so it was just interesting and you know you and I both noted when we were skinning it and like the meat like it didn't have any fat the the skin with the hide was crazy crazy thin um like you could just see the bases of the hair follicles directly on the other side of the skin um so yeah it was just kind of cool like piecing all that together of man this is a just a old old bear yeah that was cool yeah yeah it was good man thanks for uh thanks for getting out with me it was a lot of fun anytime uh we hit on a couple things i think during that conversation but just to touch on a couple more because i think in the the pre-hunt if you will monday minute i touched on a few things that i was going to be kind of trying different um one of which was the jet boil stash stove um again i had used it prior to this hunt but not as much in field conditions yet and um obviously this was only a three-day hunt so it's not a long-term exhaustive review but certainly enjoyed using it performed great was really fast and one of my favorite things about it is just how small it packs up in the pack and then you know it has where you can recess and kind of snap in the fuel can to the lid Um, and that's something that drove me nuts in the past when my fuel can was like rattling around inside the canister inside my pack so it was just quiet packs up small still seemed really efficient um, and fast so definitely enjoyed using that for sure um, there was a cool little sitting pad that, um, I picked up on Amazon that was kind of a no name or no brand, or at least some sort of fake brand one, just cause I had worn out uh, my Thermarest and, uh, it's really cool little pads. So I'll leave a link to that again. Um, what yeah. sets it apart isn't, I mean, it's just a, a sitting pad, but just the way that it can pack up, um, is really neat. What I liked about
1: looking at it is you probably have four different very different legit very options different. on how to fold it up you can mm-hmm. fold it into this little cube you can just fold it lengthwise and flat you can fold it in like quarters and that certainly there's times when the sitting pad's like always the last thing to go in the pack for me there's times when it just goes in different places and i think that ability to customize you know the way you're folding it to fit different spaces is ingenious Yep, and for what
0: ten dollars like 11 bucks on amazon yeah 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 and it's like an ounce like 1.7 or 1.8 ounces i think and it it is um it's a little bit denser than like the thermorest material so i actually think it's going to wear better as well because mm-hmm. um, that's what happened with my little thermarest sitting pad is it's it's soft and fairly thin and i've just used it so much that it's literally just kind of almost for lack of better terms just kind of disintegrating because it's soft foam um so yeah i'll definitely keep using this and I'm, I'm liking it so far for just something quick and easy and cheap and as you said versatile and where you can store it and how you can pack it up um yeah that Revic br4 rangefinder again i've been using that uh kind of all winter with some shooting and steel but it was the first hunt that i've taken it on um and it's really really good rangefinder kind of has all the sensors built in to do full ballistics and was pretty fast and it you played with it a bit, Steve, and it was your first time putting your mm-hmm. hands on it. What were your initial impressions?
1: Yeah, I was just impressed. The, the I was testing out um, some other range finders here recently because I, the I was, I'd still like to find a, a small handheld that I really like that um, so I could run peers for my main binoculars. Uh, just because the glass is so amazing in the peers. and not that EL range tas are bad by any means, but the peers are just a whole other level above everything else. Um, that, uh, yeah, I was testing it out and some of my complaints with the other ones is just the speed to get the, um, excuse me, um, to get the MOA dial. Right. So it'll say 500 yards and there's like a one, 1000, two, 1000, then it'll say, you know, 8.5 MOA. Uh, so this one, just like my Swaro, yeah, range TA is it's, you push the button, you get the, you basically get simultaneous, you know, distance and MOA that they just happen at the exact same time, which is impressive that it can do those calculations that fast, but you're that Revic one's the same way. I was very pleased with it. And it seemed to be, I wouldn't say amazing at, at ranging, but, but solid as far as there's a bush, you know, a tree at 800 yards. And it's like most of the time you get it on the first reading. Sometimes it, it skip a beat and you have to push the button twice. But, um, so not quite like to me, that's where Sig has always stood out of, it's like whatever. I just push at it. I just get a range back immediately. Um, but uh, yeah, I was impressed.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm liking it. It's um, yeah. I'm I will definitely keep using it and can kind of report back more as I do. But I'm really liking it so far. And one thing I noticed, um, and this is especially relevant, I think, to all the range finders with the onboard sensors, is obviously it kind of has to wake those sensors up, if you will um to be able to do fast calculations and so one thing i and i'd started doing this with like my sig 8k previously but continue to do it with my Revic, is if i go to retrieve my range finder i don't wait to get it up to my eye find a target you know that i'm trying to range and then hit the button because if it is kind of had been in quote-unquote standby mode and kind of has to re-engage the sensors and get a bearing and temperature and all that stuff Um, there's a little bit of kind of startup or lag time to that so what i do basically is as i'm pulling the rangefinder out i'll hit the button which is kind of going to wake up the unit and hopefully kind of prime it if you will so that when i do get it to my eye and i'm on target when i hit that target it's not having to like wake up and start to perform like some atmospherics for example it's already done that as i had previously pulled it so it's just ranging and then using all those sensors that were already you know ready to go and then giving me that number really fast and it's definitely made a difference so that's a little bit of a a technique thing if you will that just kind of makes it faster hmm. uh, another new item was the newer Hydro Pack filter, um, pretty s- water filter, um, pretty similar in overall style and ideas, like a caded and B free. Um long term, I think you and I, Steve, will both can report back as we use them more. Um, but it was a new filter, it worked great. Um, we'll see what the longevity is like. But one thing I will say for me that I really like about the Hydra Pack over the B free is basically, it has a locking cap. So, it has a little bit of a quote-unquote lid you can flip over and then it also twists to lock. And so, unlike the Be Free with this hydropack filter, um, you and I were both just leaving them installed in the dirty water bladder with water and could throw that in the pack and not worry about it leaking and then just pull it out at any time and flip the cap, twist it, unlock it, and filter. So, um, I definitely really, really like that filter so far.
1: Yeah, I was impressed as well. It is that combination of the locking gap and the uh, three liter bag. It's just, you know, we're both packing one liter Nalgene's and three liter bags and uh, capability to carry one liter of water, four liters of water any given time, which, you know, every time we pulled that ridge up to camp because it was all dry up there, we did and, uh, just fantastic, lightweight, simple system.
0: Yeah. Cool. Any were you doing anything else, Steve? Like newer gear or just testing stuff? I can't remember what we talked about in the last time. Uh, I think I'm touching this
1: tent. That worked good. I think that was it, man. Yeah. Those 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 boots were um I commented how I you know, because of the blisters, I think they kind of got more broken over the course of the hunt, but I loved, you know, some of that stuff we we're in, just steep and rocky and it's like a little mini Frank church in there. And, um, well, I wouldn't call it mini, but, um, <laughs> just that it's a, the cane. And we were in. to the Frank. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I really liked some of that really rocky crap. Like when we were descending and climbing kind of, you know, some steep hard pack stuff. And then when I hit, hit the trails, I just hate them. So it's like, uh,
0: yeah, someday I'll find the perfect boot. Uh,
1: yeah, I think that was about it. It wasn't cool. too much.
0: Well, yeah, in terms of, uh, so sometimes, you know, we get questions on like getting meat back and I was flying for this hunt. And as we've talked about in previous podcasts, I've done that a bunch of ways where I checked baggage or ship the Alaska air cargo. Um, when we got back to your house, Steve, I spent some time pretty quickly, just kind of getting all the meat trimmed and packed in some freezer Ziploc bags and got it in your freezer. And then I still had a couple days in town. So it was all trimmed and packed and Ziplocs. And I just ended up going to Walmart and getting, getting a soft sided kind of like backpack style cooler and just loaded that sucker up and it was my carry on. So I just flew home with a a bunch of frozen bear meat as one of my carry on options. And when I went through TSA, they pulled it from the screening, which I expected. But basically, uh, if guys are unaware, the TSA regulations just basically state if it is frozen solid um you know isn't soft or liquid at all then it's good to go so they did pull it opened it up really quick checked to make sure it was frozen and i was on my way with a bunch of my bear meat as a carry-on so it worked easy the one thing i did is i ordered i always use
1: gallon ziploc bags to hold my food Oh yeah um because a quart size is just not quite big enough to get everything in uh, but it's a pain in the butt because the, the gallon ones are just big and then like I've never seen it like a half gallon size, you know, but I just jumped on Google and searched like half gallon Ziploc bag. And sure enough, there was a link to buy them and bought those. And that was awesome. Like it fits. They were awesome. Perfectly fits all the food I need plus some for a a day. And, you know, the, the weight savings is basically none, but uh, going from a half gallon to a gallon Ziploc bag, but it's just the food fits in there nicer. If you watch like that, that video I did last year on YouTube of the 10-day backpacking uh, gear, cheap backpacking video, uh, you know, you could see how I form all the food into these nice, like, bricks so they stack easy in the pack. And it just did that really well with these half-gallon bags. So, something for someone to look up if they want.
0: Yeah, I'll leave a link to that. So, really, all the, anything we specifically called out in terms of gear uh, these are block bags, 10 day sheep hunting video, that chili Mac recipe, those Alpine range meals, all that stuff. I'll leave a link to in the show description, just to make it easy for you guys to find that stuff. Um, as always appreciate you guys tuning in and listening. If you do have any questions for us at any time, just send an email to podcast at exomountgear.com or look for the link in the show description that says, leave a message. Uh, and you can leave us an audio message on whatever device you're using. And, uh, yeah, if you haven't, yet, hit subscribe or follow in your podcast app so that you receive future episodes automatically. Do that and we'll talk to you guys soon.